love to work. I love the work that we do. I love making myself better every single day. I've always really prided myself on leading, not managing, but leading. What can I do right now that I know nobody else is doing? I feel like that this was one of the first times in my career where I can honestly say I did absolutely everything that I could. We had to fight and claw and a lot of things had to go our way. By the grace of God, we were able to make this thing happen when it was all said and done at the absolute very end of the year. The voice you just heard is Daniel Wright, one of the top young leaders in the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. Daniel has been a district manager for four years, finishing in the top five in his competitive category in every year. He earned an opportunity to move back to his hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, and in 2022, Daniel and his team competed in a close battle with the North Mississippi team, led by Daniel's close friend and colleague, Cullen Patrick. Huntsville took the lead in mid-December and came out on top, winning the Silver Cup in the Premier League category. This conversation details Daniel's path in the Vector business and his quest to become a champion. I know you'll love this story. This is Daniel Wright. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I am with Daniel Wright today, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Daniel has been in the Cutco Vector business now for just over six years, started in December of 2016 with Mark Bullard in Memphis. Daniel was going to college at the University of Memphis, go Tigers, playing baseball as well. And Daniel worked closely with Mark. For several years, he became a district manager in May of 2019 in North Mississippi, had an opportunity a couple of years later to relocate to his home area of Huntsville, Alabama. And in 2022, Daniel Wright was the number one manager in the entire Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization in the Premier League category with almost five hundred thousand dollars in new business sales. He won the silver cup, earned his way here into the Changing Lives Selling Knives podcast. Daniel Wright, welcome and thanks for being here. What's going on, Dan? I've been super excited about this. Definitely one of the biggest goals I had. So thank you for having me. All right. Excellent, man. Well, it's great uh, to have you here. And uh, as I said, Definitely been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Hey, before we start talking about Cutco, let's talk a little bit about baseball. Tell us about your path uh, with baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, baseball was uh, definitely my first love. So I got started really seriously when I was nine years old. We started playing year-round baseball. And then uh, 13, 14 is when I really knew that I had a lot of potential with baseball. I actually got my first college offer from a small little school in Mississippi when I was 14 years old. I was in eighth grade at that time. I also started playing high school baseball at that point when I was in eighth grade. And then I went to, I went to Huntsville High School. It's one of the most competitive baseball schools in the state. Uh, we really have a lot of pride in that. And I had a chance to play varsity as a freshman. And uh, I was also one of three pitchers that threw during the playoffs. 
that year, I actually uh, took my first visit to Auburn University. And I think that's one of my most special memories with baseball is my dad graduated from Auburn and I got to take him on the visit and to go on the sidelines with him and just get to experience with him, experience that with him was definitely one of the most memorable things and something I really hold near and dear is that memory. Wow. Took some cool visits to Missouri, Vanderbilt, um, then some smaller schools like South Alabama, Lipscomb, and then of course, Memphis. And then my journey kind of took a turn right before my senior year in high school. So everything was supposed to play out the way that I thought it was going to. I was supposed to go to a big school and then eventually go play professional baseball. But God had a different plan. I ended up breaking my back before my senior year and uh, everybody really backed off. You know, there's only 11.7 scholarships in baseball. So a lot of people felt like they couldn't take the chance with that type of injury or meet you know, having the injury again or not being able to recover from it. But thankfully, Memphis took a chance on me and uh, went to sign to play baseball there. And then it was actually right before I got started with Cutco, but it was October of 2016. I was telling myself it was going to be the comeback story of the ages. I was going to come back from this injury, come back from a broken back, and everything was going to play out how I thought it was going to. And that was when I ended up breaking it for a second time. So it was my stress fracture, my L3. And at that point, baseball was done. And uh, that was a tough blow coming back from the injury, working really hard to be able to get back into the position where I could play again. And then just kind of getting my legs cut out from under me right before my senior or right before my freshman season was about to start. So then Cutco came along a couple of months later. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you were recruited by that list of schools that you referenced. I mean, I'm not a huge college baseball follower, but I do know that Vanderbilt among your list has won the national championship in college baseball. So, I mean, you you were recruited by an amazing list of schools there and uh, to be able to have gotten that scholarship to Memphis says a lot about your talent and your hard work that you put in during those days of playing baseball. So pretty neat story there that you have with your athletic career. Yeah, that was something I worked years and years to be able to go and experience the recruiting process and uh, took some visits. Those bigger schools didn't end up offering, got some offers from the smaller schools, but it was just an incredible journey. And some of my favorite memories of my entire life were from baseball. Some of my best friends in the entire world are from my years playing baseball. Yeah, there's so many great people in Vector that have a pretty serious level of athletic background as you did with uh, playing baseball throughout high school there and, and at such a high level. So this led you into looking for work, you know, doing something else. And uh, you found Cutco in December of 2016, right? I did. Yeah, I was in a uh, pretty tough place. One thing people that know me well know that I, I can't sit still. Like I, I've got to do something and uh, very, very ADHD. Like me in school, we don't really get along. I hate sitting still. And so that, that's what I was limited to for several months leading up until hearing about Cutco. So just not in a really good place, just devastated that baseball had ended. And uh, I'd met a guy that first semester, Josh Hamlet. He ran track in Memphis. A lot of the athletes would hang out together. And I remember I was sitting at home. It was during Thanksgiving break. And I saw him holding up a paycheck that said $5,000 weekly paycheck. And (laughs) come to find out, this guy was like, killer $27,000 SC2 push. Like he was over $130,000 in personal sales. Like one of the most talented sales reps I ever had the opportunity to work with, but I didn't know that at the time. I just saw him holding up a $5,000 weekly paycheck. And at that time, like, I think the most money I'd ever had at one point was like four or 500 bucks. Like because of baseball, I didn't really get to work that much or as much as I'd want to. So I was just like, Hey, whatever you're doing, I want to do that. Like, I don't care what it is. I want to do that. (laughs) And I actually got into training without even knowing that I was going to be selling Cutco. I remember in high school, like kind of hearing about, hearing about it. And, you know, there's the kids that are like, oh, this is, you know, a scam or whatever. And I remember being at like some social events and like messing with some kids that were doing Cutco, telling them like it was a scam or whatever. And then fast forward two years later and I'm sitting in training and I'm like, they got me. Like they got me. (laughs) I had no idea that we were selling Cutco. So go through training. And uh, I remember a moment during training, you know, it was kind of that crossroads I came to where am I going to do this or am I going to drop this thing and go do something else? And I don't know. I still remember to this day, there was just this feeling of like, man, like what if you're making a mistake? 
like, what if it's everything that they're saying that it is? So I decided to go and give it a shot, ended up selling over $10,000 in my fast start and uh, was off to the races after that. Yeah. Amazing. A 10K fast starter. So your excellence in athletics uh, just carried right over into uh, being excellent here right out of the gate. Tell us about some of the other experiences from your early career. So I actually, right after my fast start, that was in the Jan program. So baseball season was getting ready to kick off. And after I got hurt the second time, the coach actually offered to let me stay on as an undergraduate assistant, be a part of the team, wear a uniform, which was unbelievable. But baseball season was starting. So I had to kind of stop Cutco and pause that at that point. And then it was summer of 2017. I think that's where I really fell in love with the job and fell in love with the culture. So uh, Mark actually transferred me to a guy named McKinnon Kessler, who was running the Madison, Alabama office in Brian Stevenson's division. And this guy just the way that he carried himself, like I thought it was incredible that he moved from Birmingham, had his own apartment, started this office and was teaching people how to sell Cutco at a really high level. And so I just, I fell in love with it at that point. And I think the moment where I decided that I was going to take this really serious was McKinnon called me and he's like, Hey, we're going to this conference. Like he didn't ask me if I could go. He's like, Hey, we're going to SE one conference. Like I'm picking you up. We're going. I was like, Okay. So I get in the car with him and riding down there was a guy named Tristan Trexel. And I remember talking to this guy and asking him, you know, what are you doing in school? What are you up to? Stuff like that. And come to find out this guy had made a 36 on his ACT. He was on a full ride at UNC Chapel Hill. He had turned down a bunch of big investment banks in New York to come start this office. And I was like, huh, this guy's going to go do things that I never even dreamed of. And if he's taking it this serious, like maybe there's something I'm missing with this whole cut code thing. And then learned about, you know, closing voting recommendations, gave me a longer term vision at the conference. And at that point, I knew that this was something that I wanted to take really serious. And I knew that this would take me places. If this guy who was on a full ride at UNC was choosing this over these other huge internships, which I had always heard were like, you know, what you needed to do to go have success later on in life. Yeah. Outstanding. I love that it was a, a conference that uh, that really helped flip the switch for you to to take it seriously and and just uh, being able to see Tristan to see McKinnon and the things that they were doing. That's a, a common thread here in Vector is like there's there's just these key people that have so much powerful impact on us, and then it's an event that oftentimes turns the lights on and and helps propel people forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. That's I've got a lot of conviction in uh, talking about the conferences with one of my people now, just talking about the way that it changed my career. So yeah. it was an incredible experience. Yeah. What do you feel, Daniel, was like a signature concept that you learned at some point in these early days with Cutco that has uh, helped develop you into the champion that you are today? So I remember going into my first kickoff conference and I was, it was fall of, or I guess at that point it was spring of 2019, right before I was about to open. But at that point, like I, I hadn't been an assistant manager for very long. At that point, I really felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I was way in over my head is the perception that I had. And going into this conference, I was just, I felt so out of my element, so nervous. I was like, man, am I making a mistake? And I remember there was this message and I, I couldn't tell you who gave the message or what it was even about. But I remember during that message, they said that, hey, you don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know where to find them. And just seeing the group of leaders that we have in the Southern Rock Division and Mark Bullard and Colin Patrick, Hayden Town, Evan Robinson, you know, I knew that I could just wrap my arm around these guys that had done this at such a high level for so long. And I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just had to annoy them enough to get really good at this. And that's exactly what I did. I just, at at any point, I was always calling these guys and asking them questions and just trying to learn from them. So I think that is still to this day, what has given me so much confidence is somebody out there has the answer. I just have to know where to look. That's a great point. I love that one. It just really speaks to the whole culture of personal development that we try to foster here in Vector as well, that uh, you know we're always striving to improve and grow. And seeking answers is a really big part of that. When I was a division manager, I always recommended to my team that they look at the national sales report every week and they pick somebody on the national sales report, whether it's somebody that finished number one or somebody that finished you know highly for the week, and that they 
uh, reach out and ask them a specific question. And if you do that every single week, you're, you're asking dozens and dozens of different people uh, specific questions that you're looking to learn from in that moment at that time. And that process is a great way of speeding up someone's learning curve in Vector. And so, as you said, right, to be great here, you don't have to have the answers, but if you know where to find them and you're asking, you're seeking those answers, then obviously you're implementing the ideas that you get. You can't help but become really good really fast through that process. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's what I would say to anybody that, because I think sometimes, especially with how big the opportunity is, it's easy to feel overwhelmed or not quite know the direction to turn, but just start by asking for help. And I mean, that's also where you can build some incredible relationships. You know, people like Braden Crow and Philip Tice and McCall Simons, these guys that I've been able to build such good friendships with has just come from asking for help in the areas that they're a lot better and more talented than I am. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, you've got a great group of colleagues and friends out there in both your division and uh, in your neighboring divisions as well. We'll certainly get to talking a little bit about that a little bit later on. Tell me more about your path to becoming a district manager, right? So you started, you had this 10K fast start. You were away from the business for a little while, focusing on baseball during that spring, right? Where you were invited to, to, to you know, stay with the team. And then you got serious that first summer of 2017. Now, it was two years later, though, that you became a district manager. And I would just love to hear about in between and what made you make this a career choice. Yeah. So I uh, ended up selling about twenty five grand during that summer of 2017. And at the end of the summer, I think everybody that does really well, especially in their first summer with Cutco, probably experiences a level of this of just like maybe getting the big head a little bit. And so for me, I was like, man, if I can make this much money selling knives, I can make so much more somewhere else. And so At that point, I actually decided that I was going to leave the business and I was going to go and pursue a career in medical device sales. You know, my uh, stepdad, he's got a bunch of different connections in that field. And I went and shouted with some big companies like Smith and Yefiu and Boston Scientific. And I remember it was probably my sixth or seventh time doing some shadowing and learning and networking when I was actually watching a guy in Memphis and this was the first time that I got to see like a full afternoon. I was super excited and I get there at three o'clock after I finished up classes at school and we go and we get started and I'm following this guy around and he's working like frantically and three o'clock turns into five o'clock, turns into seven o'clock, turns into nine thirty, turns into 11 o'clock. And I asked him, I'm like, Hey, like, are we almost done? And he's like, no, I've got two more cases left. And I was like, okay, is this normal? He's like, yep. And I'm going to be back out on the road at 6am tomorrow. And then hearing him and another doctor just complain about how they never get to see their families about how terrible their jobs are. And I remember telling him at that point, I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to go home and go to bed. Thank you so much. And I never watched anybody else do any other medical device stuff. From that point forward, I was like, this is terrible. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> the lifestyle is awful. And so it was like the next week, I hadn't talked to Mark in like probably a year and a half. And I call him up and I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you? Yeah, yeah, Hey, I want to run an office. And Mark's response was like, huh, it's going to be really hard. And I was like, man, just tell me what I have to do. So I showed up to the office that Monday I was on his staff and just started training and learning how to open up an office. And then I think the real decision on when I wanted to become a district manager, because at that point it was just, hey, I want to run a branch, was just honestly seeing all these different, because I knew I wanted to go into sales, but seeing all these different paths that you could go down in these different industries. And not one time did I see a person who is satisfied with their level of income and with their lifestyle. I thought that was such a unique combination that all of the people, at least in my, like my experience, have uh, gotten to have here at Cutco is that loving the money that they're making, loving the lifestyle, loving the people. And that was really what opened my eyes to like, hey, maybe this can be a long-term thing. And I ended up, instead of opening up as a branch, opening up as a district manager, I wasn't sure if I was going to stay open at the at, after the summer, but 
We ended up selling like $100,000 in SC2 push, finishing up over $200,000 for the summer. I was able to save a whole lot of money. And at that point, I was like, all right, we're going to ride this thing out and see where it goes. And I was having a ton of fun winning the trips. And it was just an incredible experience. That, that first summer was something special. Yeah, that's great. What, what do you remember from that first summer most? Like what stands out? I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. It was just, we were so excited. You know, the term or the phrase, you light yourself on fire and people come watch you burn. That's exactly (laughs) what I did. Like I was just on level 10 energy at all times. Like we, and just excited and painting vision and just having everybody up the office as often as we could. But that summer and those results were 100% fueled off culture and the relationships I had with my people. I had no programs, no systems. Like we weren't doing advanced training. We weren't running PCs. Like we were just getting people excited, getting tied into them and like getting them up to the office as much as we could and uh, found success through that. So the lesson there was, man, culture trumps all. Like no matter how good your programs and your systems and all those things are, if you've got a strong culture and people enjoy working with you, it's probably going to work out. Exactly. It really speaks to the power of that. Obviously, to take things to the highest level, you kind of want to have both sides of that coin. But it's absolutely the case that the culture side, the excitement side, the vision, the feel, the vibe, that's all super critical to be able to have a, a great team. And you, you, you've had a great team pretty much every year since you've been here uh, in the business as a manager. You've been remarkably consistent, Daniel. I know you've been in the top five in your competitive category every single year. You've qualified for President's Banquet four out of four tries. You have never missed a monthly bonus or a trip contest. These are things that most managers can't say. And I would love for you to try to dissect a little bit about what has helped you be so consistent over these four years. So for me... I don't really view myself as an incredibly talented person when it comes to the business. I think the one thing that I really pride myself on and I feel really separates me is I love to work. I love the just the daily booking PRs, running interviews. Like I hate this word, but I love the grind of it all. You know, I love making myself better every single day. I love getting after it. And uh, I have way too much energy to sit still. So I just, I love that in this job, you can work as hard as you want to. And so, you know, I think for me, it was always in my mind, I I felt like that it was simple. You know, I had a goal that I wanted to go and hit. And with this business, there are numbers and metrics. And if you focus on the metrics and you execute with your actions, like you're going to hit your goals. We know that for instance, with sales, it's 67% or 75%, depending on your organization, $400 average order size and 20% cancellation. And that tells you how many phone calls you need to make. So even very early on, and then you take that into the management aspect, I just came up with a plan and executed. And I just, I love to work. I love the work that we do. And then in terms of philosophies, I think that for me, I've always really prided myself on leading, not managing, but leading, you know, and we'll pull up the reports and we'll show in our staff meetings, other managers that we're competing against. And it's like, Hey, you know, like here's what they're doing. And I'm never going to be the manager that has you do things that I'm not willing to do. I'm not going to be the manager that is sitting there with zero PRs booked. And I'm asking you to hit your magic number. And so I really feel like that's been a core philosophy for me, even early on, is that I'm going to lead from the front. You're never going to outwork me as my staff members, and I'm going to show you the way and have them follow me. So I really feel like that truly leading, not being a manager, is something that I've really prided myself on. Yeah, that's very powerful, for sure. And, And I love what you said at the outset there, Daniel, that you love to work. And I just think that when we have great vision for what the business can be for us and great conviction in what we're doing for other people. It really isn't truly work. It's what Mm -hmm. we enjoy doing. It becomes a passion. It becomes something that we're excited about, right? We're building something for ourselves. So it's clear that you have a great conviction in the opportunity and a great vision for what you want to build for yourself and for your team. That is what sparks that feeling of loving what you're doing on a daily basis. So it's pretty cool. Absolutely. You know, thinking back, I think another big philosophy that I really pride myself on, and this may sound kind of weird, but 
I really feel like that I thrive in adversity. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Martin Luther King Jr., where he says that the measure of a man is not where you stand in times of comfort, but where you stand in times of trial and controversy. And, you know, I think one of my favorite memories in baseball was uh, I just thrown like a no hitter in the playoffs and just the most incredible game. And immediately after that game, I went and I worked out at the gym at like 11 o'clock at night. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, no one's doing this right now. And that's really what I've tried to bring into this business is being okay when things aren't okay, expecting things to not go my way and being almost relishing in the adversity. And what can I do that I know nobody else is doing? And that's for me, a lot of the time picking up the phone and calling through the system myself or, you know, booking like last year, I think I booked a thousand PRs. So I think that's one thing is I love being in that place where things aren't going my way and fighting out of it. And then also what can I do right now that I know nobody else is doing? Because for me, I'm, I'm not more talented than anybody. And those are the areas where I feel like that I can get ahead. I love that. What can I do that nobody else is doing? And the story of throwing the no hitter and then going to work out at night with the thought that came to my mind, Daniel, was I thought about Kobe Bryant and sort of the legendary work ethic that he was known for, the Mamba mentality, right? Of always putting in the effort leading by example, all those things, right? Like that sort of mindset, that sort of uh, effort is a compelling factor in your success, I'm sure. So that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. And people say all the time, they're like, well, don't just get up there and tell them to work harder. But that, that's always been the key to success for me is to just work harder. You know, if you're not having the results that you want, if you do more, you're not going to sell less. So that's that's always been my mentality. Yeah. And I'm sure it's combined with doing with working smart, right? With doing the right things. Because if you just work harder at the wrong things, that's where people spin their wheels. And that's what a lot of people actually sometimes do, right? And that's why working harder sometimes gets a bad rap because people are combining working harder with doing the wrong things, more of the wrong things. So clearly you're good at working harder, but also doing it in a way that is generating more and better results. And that obviously has helped take you to a very, very high level here. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely need to make sure that you're going in the right direction. For me, the only times I've ever struggled in the business is when I'm trying to do it my way, not Mark Bullard's way. So I just, if I do what he says, he lays the roadmap out. And if I just go as hard as I can and work hard in the direction he tells me to go, normally it ends up working out okay. Nice, nice. And I think people are willing to put in more effort when they know what the rewards are going to be. What has this sort of consistency, this effort you've put in, afforded you in terms of lifestyle? So when I was, I started as a DM, I was still a junior in college and uh, I was also on scholarship at the University of Memphis. So I was really able to leverage having low expenses and making some pretty exciting income here. So I was able to, in my first, I guess, 18 months, two years with Cutco, able to save over a hundred thousand dollars. I was able to buy a pretty awesome house at 23 back home in my home territory. about It's actually about 10 minutes away from my mom and dad's house. So not too far from them. I get to see them whenever I want to. Being able to travel often. We uh, ended up, me and my girlfriend, Kirsten, we actually looked at this the other day. We ended up taking a trip every single month in the year of 2022 and some Cutco, some not. I think one of the most exciting things, like th those are all cool, but I think one of the most exciting things is uh, I really enjoy giving great gifts. And every year at Christmas, you know, we'll spend a couple of thousand dollars and just, I love making things like that. Those occasions are really special for people. So being able to get them a gift that really says like, Hey, I know you. So I think that's one of the things that this opportunity has afforded me that I really appreciate the most. That's really cool. And you started out as a DM in North Mississippi. And then when did you move to Huntsville? So I moved to Huntsville in March of 2021. That was always my dream is to be able to take over my home territory because that's also the office that I like fell in love with Cutco was in the Madison office. Right. And uh, everybody told me that there's no way it's not going to happen. It's not even in our division right now. And some pieces ended up falling in place. Uh, Mark Bullard worked really hard behind the scenes and we were able to get Huntsville into our division. And I moved back in March of 2021. And I think this is, this is where I'm going to stay. Yeah. 
Yeah, the way I understand it is Brian was the division manager of Southern Tide, is the division manager of Southern Tide. Mark Bullard, division manager of, of Southern Rock. And they worked out essentially a swap of territories so mm-hmm. that Huntsville could go into Mark's division and Jackson, I think, could go from Mark's division over to Brian's division. And that created this opportunity for you, right? Yeah. And it worked out really well for everybody. You know, I think, I can't remember if it's Brian or Elizabeth that's from Jackson, but they got to move back home. Uh, Cullen Patrick is from Coldwater, Mississippi, which is right there near South Haven where that office is located. So he got to move back home. I got to move back home. And then, uh, sorry, Justin, if I'm wrong, but I think Justin Sanders, I know he went to Mobile and I'm pretty sure he's from around that area as well. So it ended up just like fitting like a glove. Everybody got to go back home and be closer to family. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And it was, I guess, maybe the beginning of the spark for this amazing year of 2022 that you had and this great race, Silver Cup race. The Silver Cup race in the Premier League in 2022 was truly an incredible race. Colin Patrick uh, went out to the lead early on you weren't even in the top 20 in one of the first reports that I looked at relatively early in the year, but then you popped in there and then you vaulted up to like number four and then you became number three and then number two. And you're in the number two spot throughout the entire fall campaign until December. And it was in December, the second or third week of December, uh, that you were able to surpass Colin and his team and take down this really epic silver cup in a close, hard-fought battle with one of your closest colleagues and friends who is in your same division. This is wild. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us, uh, run through your mindset around this amazing race that, uh, that unfolded during 2022 with Colin and his team. Yeah. You know, before I dive into my mindset during this year, First, I just want to say that, man, your your heart goes out to that North Mississippi team watching Cullen battle it out in 2021 and just, just fall short in the Silver Cup race in 2021 and then just watching him bounce back and go through that adversity and just the personal growth that he's been able to experience. And it's almost a bittersweet ending to the year. Like, yeah, I wanted to win. And yes, I'm so happy that we did. But it's almost difficult watching Cullen not get to experience in my mind what I feel like that he earned a part of through the growth, through the work ethic. So uh, first and foremost, Cullen, what an incredible year. I mean, it was so much fun, but we did end up, I think it was December week four. We ended up, that was the first report that had us as number one, because there's five weeks in December, but our theme uh, in the office this year, our mindset was uh, the tortoise and the hare. That's what we were preaching to our team all year long, really, especially in that fall campaign, you know, we, uh, did, like you mentioned, did not get off to the hottest start and North Mississippi just, I mean, I think from like January week four, they were number one, almost wire to wire. Mm -hmm. And so we just kept chipping away, kept chipping away. And a lot of the results that you see in our organization are due to Cullen, you know, we're incredible friends. We do a lot of things outside of the business together, but also just fierce competitors. Both of us are just ultra, ultra competitive in whatever it is that we're doing, uh, like ping pong or playing disc golf together, like ultra competitive. And Cutco is absolutely no different. Me and this guy, we actually ran training together during the first seven months of the year. But as we got closer to the end, you know, we just, we kept chipping away. We kept chipping away. I think still in July, we were down $70,000. And that was really the turning point for us. We lost to Cullen in SC2 by 176 CPO. So that push countdown was ridiculous, but we lost by 176 CPO, but they had a big FSM shipper and we ended up coming ahead by $20,000 in new business. And so got the lead down to about 50. And then uh, at that point, I had done some personal selling, working some shows to be able to have the conviction to share that with my people. And I decided that that was, like I mentioned, doing things that other people aren't doing. I feel like that was the decision I made was I'm going to go all in with this and go all in with recruiting. And the next week, or I guess a couple of weeks later, 
I ended up selling $10,000 personally at a show. Our office did like 18 grand in new business, took another big chunk out. And at that point, that was when my mindset really started to shift. Like me and Cullen have been preaching all year long. Hey, me and you, we're going to run away with this thing. It's going to be me and you, number one, number two, one of us is going to win. And it was at that point that I really felt like that we had a chance to make a run at this thing, you know, because he was so far ahead for so much of the year. Like I was, I'd almost gotten to the place where I was like, yeah, number two will be cool. Like, you know, Cullen, Cullen deserves this. And after chipping away and chipping away, uh, it was around that point when we decided, hey, we're going to make a run at this thing. And I remember the staff meeting I had where we looked at our roster. We saw what we thought we thought they could sell. We saw the recruiting difference that we needed to make up. I set some really big sales goals personally for myself and picked a bunch of shows and mall shifts that I was going to work. And from October through the end of the year, I didn't have a single off day. I was working a lot of hours every single day. And I feel like that this was one of the first times in my career where I can honestly say I did absolutely everything that I could. You know, it it took breaking the November and December new business record in the Southern Rock division all time to make this a reality. And I ended up selling like $35,000 personally for this campaign. And we, it was until the very end, we had to fight and claw and a lot of things had to go our way. And by the grace of God, we were able to make this thing happen when it was all said and done at the absolute very end of the year. Yeah, crazy. I love that you left it all out there, Daniel. I mean, very few people have ever in life experienced anything where they put their all into something for even a short period of time just to see what they're capable of. It's what I love about the branch opportunity we have in Vector is somebody can go out and branch and basically for like three months. You know, I know it's a four-month competition, but for roughly three months, depending on when they start and when they finish, somebody can go work as hard as they can to see what they can do. Just so you know, what are you capable of? And you, you put yourself on the line and put that effort in for those last three months. That's so admirable. And you also said something along the lines of, it was bittersweet because Colin didn't get to experience winning, right? Being number one. And, and that's true. Colin didn't or hasn't yet experienced the end of the race and coming out on top. But what he has experienced is the greatness of the quest, the greatness of the moment, just as you have, right? You guys sold $496,000 new business, right? And they sold just a little bit less. There's not much difference numerically between what you did. One person wins, one person comes in second, but both of you experienced greatness in the quest. And for anyone that's striving for anything in Vector, I would encourage you to realize that the, the joy is in the quest. It's in the moments of striving. When the race is over, it's over. And you can never control what the other person does. And they either sell more than you or they sell less. And that was out of your control. But what you can control is your own effort. You know? And I just want to shout out to both you and Colin, both of your teams, for the way that you guys drove it to the end of the year and performed and really, really brought your best. It was cool to watch as a spectator, knowing I was going to interview one of you guys for this because we talked about it at SLC, right? Whichever mm-hmm. one of you wins, you're going to get on here. And to see you guys put that effort in right down to the end of the wire uh, was pretty cool to see. So kudos to yeah. both of you. Yeah, we've had a couple of different people reach out to both of us and it, during the race and like, you know, this is so fun to watch. Me and Color were back and forth like, this isn't fun right now. But it was so <laughs> stressed out. Once it was all said and done, like, yeah, such an incredible journey, so much fun. And uh, man, there is a lot of silver in Colin Patrick's future. He's an incredible leader and just, uh, man, kudos to this guy. What what a competitor, a leader, so incredibly talented. So he's going to do some really big things here. Yeah. I sent you guys both a message about that ESPN 30 for 30 episode mm-hmm. that I that I watched. I watched it, I don't know, maybe a few years ago but it was the episode featuring uh, Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett. They were two of the greatest women's tennis players of their era, both multiple champions in their day. And they were the fiercest of competitors on the court, but they were also great friends. And they also had this tremendous level of respect for one another. And I remember Chris Everett describing in the episode 
this match that was, you know, it was one of the majors. I don't remember which one, but it was hard fought. It was probably the third set at a very, very key inflection point in the match. And she hit this great shot that she thought was going to like turn the match. And, and Martina just hit this screaming shot right back past her down the line into the corner. And all Chris could do is like turn around and like just mouth to Martina too good. Right. Mm. God, just too good. Right. It's like, there's this like frustration feeling of like, ah, right. But then it's this respect of like, you got me, you know? And I think the essence of competition in vector is that you want to kick the ass of the other team and the other person that's leading that team. When you're competing, you want to kick their ass. I mean, you do, right? You wanted to win, like mm. you said, right? No mistake about it. You wanted to win. And so did Colin, I'm sure. You want to kick the ass of the other team. You want to do your best, but you want to see them bring their best and you elevate, right? You never want to win because somebody else like tanked or didn't do well, right? Mm. You, want, you want to compete against the best and elevate above, which is what you guys did. And in that process, both of you become greater. And then at the end of the race, right, I would like to think that you have the kind of relationship where the guy that comes in second is the first phone call that you get to say, hey, man, congratulations. And uh, that's the essence of how I competed in Vector for many years. I always wanted to, you know, crush the competition. And sometimes we did. But then also in those times where we didn't, right? I, I was usually one of the first people to call the other guy to say, hey, man, too good. Too good. You got me. Congratulations. So yeah, just uh, absolutely great race. It was just amazing to watch. And that's, I think, when me and Colin talked on the phone after it was over and done with, that was one of the things that I expressed to him is just how much gratitude I had for the way that he handled this in the way that we both handled this where, you know, I think it would have been easy for either one to feel bitter towards the other during the race or even after the race. And the fact that throughout this year, I mean, we've become so much closer throughout this process and throughout this competition, that really meant a lot to me. And I know that it meant a lot to him too, but just, I think the respect that we both have for one another and just the competition is it's so much fun. There's absolutely no hard feelings. And you made the comment in your text message to me that you said you said to Kellen was that it, when it's all said and done, nobody remembers who won what, when. It's just people remember that both of them were great. And that's what I hope for both of us when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's certainly, I think, the way that tennis fans would look at Martina and Chris Everett, right? Is I can't quote you the stats of either of them, but I know that if you were to ask who are the greatest women's tennis players of all time, they're two of the names on the list. So that's what people do remember in the end. And uh, li like you said, I'm sure Colin's got some silver in his future at some point here in Vector. And uh, both of you guys will hopefully go down as two of the great ones in the years to come. That's the plan. You made the comment, you said that, you know, the, the competition and how fierce that it was and you don't want to lose by default. Well, I mean, shout out to my team. That, that was really what we were preaching to them in the midst of all this thing when I was asking them to go so above and beyond and asking them to do more than uh, they probably thought they were going to do this fall was at the end of the day when it was all said and done, the message we kept preaching was, hey, if we lose, then cool, that's fine. Like There's absolutely nothing more I can ask of you guys. And sometimes you get beat. But what I won't tolerate is leaving something out there. Like that's what we're not going to do during this thing. And that was, that was a big motivator for us. And I think keeping the team tied in and bought into the vision and knowing that, Hey, if we lose, we lose, but we're, we're doing absolutely everything that we can. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was, as I said, such a cool, such a cool race. And you guys have an amazing division there. Southern rock won the elite eight division silver cup, which is phenomenal. And that's another case where it was a heated competition. And I bet Stacy Campbell was one of the first guys to congratulate Mark Bullard in that. And what, what do you feel like makes your guys' division team so awesome? I think first and foremost, you know, it starts at the top. We have such an incredible leader in Mark Bullard. And, you know, there's a lot of people that do well in Cutco, Vector. And I think one of the things that really separates Mark is just the over-the-top care that he puts into the relationships with each of us. You know, the mm -hmm. over-the-top making sure that during 
it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's just a Super Bowl party at his house or whether we're just getting together to go on a trip or whether it's at like, you know, in Paris, like he makes sure that there's always a signature experience going out to dinner with us or, uh, you know, sneaking away a little bit during SLC to go to a uh, Suns game and just making sure that we have an incredible experience, that we all have fun. But just the care that he puts into the relationships, I think is something that I hold very near and dear to my heart, but I feel like really is the epitome or the core of who we are in the Southern Rock Division. We all really care about each other. You know, we're really good friends. We have such a good time and we're together. We do life together. We travel together. And I think the commitment of the team, I think everybody wants to see everybody else win. Everybody is so down to make sure that everybody else is doing well. But I think that that's one of the things that makes us great as an organization is just that the relationships that we have for each other and how I know for a fact, you know, whether it's Evan or Rose or Brandon, Elijah, Cohen, all of these guys, like if I called them, I know that they have my back and they would be there to do whatever it is that I need help with, no matter what it is, the time like the, and I think that's rare to have that in anybody at all, but to have that in your colleagues at work, I think it's just something so special. And I don't think that any of us takes that for granted is the other thing. So just such an incredible group of people, such good relationships. It's It's been an, an incredible ride and so much fun. Yeah. And it's clear that Mark is the glue that has kind of bonded that team together and continues to hold it together. And the effort that he puts in, as you said, to the relationships and the care he shows. I, I was really just taken aback in my conversation with him when he was on the podcast in that regard right? About building relationships and what he does. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Taking us out to dinners or doing trips outside of Cutco where he's putting some, and it's not about the money that he's putting in, but I think seeing the way that some, I think everybody runs their organization differently, but seeing just how out of his way he goes to take care of us and to make sure we have an incredible experience it's, it's not about the money or the dinners or any of these things that he puts onto the table, but just that he goes so out of his way. I think, I think that's the thing that stands out, that he's doing things that he doesn't have to do or things that he, he doesn't get paid for to make sure that we have an incredible experience to make sure that we know that we're loved. That's just, I think that's the thing that I admire the most about Mark. Yeah, outstanding. Cool to hear. Well, hey man, it's been great. It's been cool just hearing... Uh the path of your career and the making of this championship that occurred in 2022. As you look ahead now, what are you most excited about? You know, I think the thing that keeps me super engaged and stimulated in this business is there's always, no matter how long that you've been here, uh, there's always a deeper level to growth and getting better. And right now our focus is to develop an, an exciting district team and I'm really excited to create something similar to what Mark's created, a group of champions that love being around each other, that are building exciting lives together, that travel together, that enjoy each other's company. And uh, that's the vision that I have for our organization. Yeah, that's great. Well, we've got this new district team competition that's going to build from one year to the next and accumulate. And I think it's going to be really cool. And it's got some awesome financial rewards out there as well for the district managers that build uh, large, large organizations. And I'm sure you're going to be one of those guys that competes for that district team silver cup uh, in the years ahead, as well as now this, the elite league for this next year. So congratulations on all your success, Daniel, and look forward to seeing uh, what the future holds for you. Thanks so much, Dan. That was Daniel Wright, everybody. Yet another example of all the amazing individuals that Cutco Vector Marketing is helping to develop into champions and great leaders. Love that signature concept that Daniel shared that he heard or learned early on. I don't have to know all the answers. I just have to know where to find them and be the kind of person who seeks answers and then implements those answers as each of those new skills will build on the previous ones and help you to become better and better. If you're somebody starting a vector business or any business, the idea of level 10 energy, building culture, leading by example, 
right? Those sorts of things. That's where it all starts. Bring that and work on the skills as you go along. I also love that Daniel could say that he and his team left it all out there as this race wound down. And for anyone who's listening, I would encourage you to think about when is a time where you left it all out there in something that you were doing, where you really brought your best energy to try to see what you were capable of. And for many people, they have a hard time finding anything. And I would just challenge you to find that thing. Find that thing for this year. Find that thing in whatever it is that you're doing. Find that thing for at least a short period of time. It doesn't have to be an entire yearly competition. It could be a push period. It could be breaking a monthly record. It could be your summer as a branch manager. But find that thing where you can bring your best energy. And then last is the lesson surrounding Mark Bullard about over-the-top care in building relationships. That is what we do here in Vector. This is not just the place where we sell knives, but we are here to build people up, build relationships, help people grow, create something massive in the process that will benefit us for many years to come. Relationships are the key, and that's where we'll derive most of our fulfillment from what we do. So I hope that uh, you got some great ideas today from Daniel Wright. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 